So glad you're here this morning. I turn your attention to the book of Acts chapter 15 and we begin reading in verse 25. Acts chapter 15 and verse 25. It seemed good unto us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have sent, therefore, Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. I take our text from verse 26. When the council of elders and leaders in Jerusalem, at headquarters church, pastored by James, dealing with a church matter, described Barnabas and Paul, And it said, these are men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to speak this morning on this subject, guardians of the name. Guardians of the name. You may be seated and thank you for standing. And the text of where we pick up this narrative, Paul and Barnabas were quietly resting in Antioch after their difficult journey. They had sort of stationed themselves in Antioch, and they were establishing a great church there. In fact, the Bible even says they were first called Christians at Antioch. But anytime there's revival, there's adversity. And so there were these uh, people from Jerusalem that had stealthily commenced to undermine their influence. And they came with a strange doctrine contending that uh, the way from paganism to Christianity must be brought through Moses. And they especially insisted that Gentiles must become Jews um, by submitting to the initial rite of Judaism, which we know, of course, as circumcision. Uh, This insidious teaching followed Paul throughout his life, but yet it extracted from him many of the noble arguments and the appeals that are so eloquently articulated in the epistles by Paul. But it's, it's obvious, especially Paul and his mission of being an apostle to the Gentiles, you can see why um, these uh, men, Paul and Barnabas, um, had to protest against this, uh, this teaching with such adamance. Uh, finally, it was, uh, it was determined, even though this conflict had, had risen to the point where it was beyond Paul and Barnabas, Uh, It was determined that they would submit the question to the judgment of the apostles and the elders that were in Jerusalem. And so uh, their journey there uh, ended in a uh, triumphal process. But it was not uh, that way, certainly at the beginning. Uh, As they gathered there, they they began to testify. And it became obvious that uh, the labors of these uh, two missionaries uh, was much more than just the joy that filled their own hearts. But uh, it was also the conclusive answer to the whole issue of um, Judaizing teachers who were sort of the cause of all this uproar and this trouble. Uh, The first great address at the solemn concave was by Peter. Of course, Peter was one of those elders and leaders in Jerusalem. And he quoted his own experience as you make your way through this 15th chapter in the book of Acts. And he talked about what had happened to him at the house of Cornelius to prove that At the very least, God made no difference between Jew and Gentile. But then it came time for Paul and Barnabas to speak, and they spoke with with such uh, determination 
and with such eloquence. And they emphasized the signs and wonders that were done by God uh, in their own ministries and in their own lives as they reached for the Gentiles. And they talked about how that the Lord had literally put his seal on their words and on their methods. What's interesting about this whole uh, early church growing pain, as it were, is that this was not the first time that the disciples had put their own ministry on the line for their beliefs. They had even put their, their lives on the line for the gospel of Jesus. They had stood before the, the Jewish council, which was now not the church council, but it was the, the council of the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4. And uh, even after they were personally uh, beaten, the Bible says they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Have you ever thought of yourself as being worthy to suffer shame for his name? No, we don't normally think of those words together, worthy and shame. But they saw the name of Jesus as being so integral to their ministry and to their lives that they, they rejoiced that they were able to suffer for his name. But now this is a much different setting. They're standing now before their own brethren. And uh, not even a sword among them, but yet the fate of their ministry rested in the hands of brethren. James spoke on behalf of the elders and leaders of this new Christian faith. And James had a prominent position. Many believe he was the pastor of this church in Jerusalem. Uh, he was the Lord's brother. He was a man of remarkable holiness and prayerfulness. And he, he began to speak and he laid emphasis on the divine program which moved forward from Jew to Gentile, from the rebuilding of the tabernacle of David to the seeking of the Lord by what he describes as the residue of men. This implication was that though Jehovah dwelt in a special manner with his chosen people, and that was undeniable, yet the Gentiles could come seeking him, Jesus, directly and without becoming incorporated with the Jews. And so... Uh, this was something that we unanimously agreed to, and uh, they decided that not only would they declare it in their meeting, but that they would send a letter back, and the letter would be read to those churches in Antioch and beyond. And it would be sent back, and it would be declared, and it was very explicit in denying that the rite of circumcision was needful for salvation. It bore ample testimony to the character and the work of these two great missionaries, Paul and Barnabas, whose actions had been impugned. It denounced the false teachers whose intrusion had broken the peace of the church and laid down the principles which had been embodied in James's speech. But because the letter acquitted the actions and endorsed the teachings of Paul and Barnabas, two other disciples were sent to read the letter to the churches so that it would not appear, Paul and Barnabas reading it themselves, that it was self-serving since it was, much of it was a vindication of their own ministry. So they sent these other two men, uh, Judas and Silas. And the Bible describes Paul and Barnabas as men that had hazarded their lives for the name of Jesus. They, they were guardians of the name. They had wrapped themselves in the name of Jesus. And it's interesting because it said they had hazarded their lives. And, and, and I believe this is true, and there's probably natural illustrations of this, but anytime a person is a bodyguard or uh, works on a security detail or uh, has been in the secret service or a special law, whatever, uh, there, there is no doubt that that person 
has a few scars. There's been times and battles where they've had to place themselves in between the attacker and that that they are protecting. And the disciples uh, were not any different. Paul and Barnabas were not excluded from this uh, same phenomenon. They, they had hazarded their lives for the name of Jesus. They had stood in the gap and declared the name of Jesus. And to many, perhaps, it would be a death sentence to just declare the name of Jesus. It wasn't popular to declare the name of Jesus. It was a name that uh, riled up the Jew and the Gentile alike. But yet that didn't stop Paul from Barnabas. They, they went into the synagogues. They went into cities they had perhaps never been to before. And they declared the name of Jesus. It was not a death sentence to them. It was a life sentence. And certainly today as we gather under the banner of the name of Jesus, we also must declare that it is the name that gives us life and life more abundantly. It has been our comfort in life and in death. It is our only hope in a hopeless world. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you have life in His name, John says in John 20 and 31. There is, in fact, no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 4.12 says, So naturally, whatever we do in word or deed, we ought to do in the name of the Lord Jesus. Colossians 3, 7. God hath highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Philippians 2. We declare the name of Jesus. We declare the name of Jesus in every situation and every circumstance in our life. We declare the name of Jesus uh, over every sickness in our life, over every disease, every every affliction, uh, every addiction. We declare the name of Jesus. And when we do, ladies and gentlemen, we declare life uh, into the atmosphere. We are guardians of the name. Judas and Silas went with Paul and Barnabas at the direction of James and the church in Jerusalem. They stayed there in Antioch. And it wasn't long before Silas was partnering with Paul in his missionary journeys. And so we go to the very next chapter, Acts 16, and and we now see that because Paul and Barnabas has separated over a a disagreement over John Mark, uh, Silas has now joined himself to Paul. And so together they go to Philippi. And in Acts 16, we see that God immediately starts to bless their ministry. The miracle that turns the city upside down illustrates that they were guilty of one single solitary act, and that was declaring the name of Jesus. You see, in this city, there was a, the Bible says, a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, purple being this garment that required a lot of different processes of dye, and it was used for uh, the Romans and different royalty and whatnot. And so, She had a very distinguished position. She was a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, and she worshiped God. And it says that when she heard the declaration of the name of Jesus by Paul and Silas, 
her heart was open because she was already a worshiper of God. Even for people that don't know the revelation of the name of Jesus, if they are a worshiper of God, when they get a revelation of the name of Jesus, there is an agreement in their spirit that it is at the name of Jesus that everything I feel in my heart and life when I worship God, it comes into clarity, it comes into focus because it's at the name of Jesus that my spirit wants to sing and my the song in the heart of a worshiper wants to declare without equivocation that there is only one God and His name is Jesus. The Bible said she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul and when she was Baptized in her household. They didn't have to teach her a message on one God. They just had to declare the name of Jesus. And because she was a worshiper of God, there was an agreement. And she was baptized and her family in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, my friend, I'm thankful today to be associated with the apostolics, uh, the Pentecostals uh, that are worshiping uh, not only a God that we know from the Old Testament, uh, but we are worshiping the Redeemer who made himself known to mankind when he robed himself in flesh and came as a baby in a manger and the angel told Joseph call his name Jesus for he will redeem his people from their sins I'm thankful that I know the name of Jesus and I know it more than just in song and I know it more than just a head knowledge of the word but I'm thankful that I have been in the name of Jesus. I know there's power in the name. I know that it's more than just the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. It's more than just the titles and the attributes of His glory and greatness. But I know that when I was buried in the name of Jesus, that in the spirit world, there was a declaration that He belongs to the King, that He's got the name of His Father upon Him. Oh, my friend, if you've not been baptized in the name of Jesus, I challenge you in the Holy Ghost to be more than just a guardian of the name. Be a one that declares the name of Jesus with your life and with the obedience of baptism. She was baptized in her house. She besought us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house. And abide there, and she constrained us. She wanted to hang on. There's an agreement. There's something powerful whenever worshipers come together under the banner of the name of Jesus. Why do people feel the presence of God when they come to Eastwind? It's not because of who we are. It's not because of our music. It's not because of our facilities. It's because there's an agreement of people under the banner of the name of Jesus. It's the name of Jesus that's the common denominator that brings us all together. There's churches that's got better lights. There's churches that's got smoke machines there's churches that's got a bigger auditorium but oh you can have it all I'd rather have the presence of God I'd rather have the spirit of God at work I'd rather be under the banner of the name of Jesus I'd rather be in agreement with men and women that said once I was lost but now I'm found I've learned this power in the name of Jesus came to pass as they went to prayer a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying she was a person that had a, an evil spirit and that spirit had given her a limited amount of power and she used it to tell people about their lives and whatnot and they'd come and give her money and 
Of course, she was just an object that was being used by these men that were literally pimping her out for the purpose of this evil spirit. She was being exploited because of this evil spirit that was upon her. And they would use her to get money from people that wanted. There's a hunger. Oh, people are hungry. They're hungry. It's not new to humanity, folks. It's been happening from the very beginning. They're hungry for a supernatural experience. But ladies and gentlemen, you don't have to hang a crystal around your rearview mirror. You don't have to have a palm reader. You don't have to read the horoscope. All you got to do is read the Word of God. What is my life about? Come on, don't sacrifice the real thing for a cheap substitute, for a spirit of divination that would try to divide and conquer. Oh no, my friend, there's the real thing. There is the spirit of the Creator that breathed into you the breath of life, that can breathe upon you one more time and you can be born again of the water and of the Spirit so that you can declare without fear or favor, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. I worship the one true living God. And his name is Jesus. Something inherent even in this lady. The Bible said the same followed Paul and us and cried saying these men are the servants of the most high God which show unto us the way of salvation. Even an unclean spirit had to follow and declare. These men are the servants of the most high God which show unto us the way of salvation. These men are the servants of the Most High God which show unto us the way of salvation. The evil spirit didn't even have a choice. It had to. Maybe it tried to mock them, but it couldn't change the testimony of what came out of this lady's mouth by these unclean spirits. They had to acknowledge these are people that are guardians of the name. These are men that declare the name of Jesus. And this did she many days. When they go to prayer, she follow them. These are men that are the servants of the Most High God which show unto us the way of salvation. She did it for many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ to, to come out of her. In other words, we want her to be a worshiper of God on her own. The spirits have to worship God. But oh, this lady can be set free. I remember when we were doing a crusade in Guatemala a couple of years ago before COVID. And we had a big soccer field where there were hundreds of people gathered. And people were getting the Holy Ghost. People were being healed. And there was a lady that would come down. And she would stand at the altar. And she had tarot cards. And, and she would try to read. And, and she would try to put a hex on people as they were coming to the altar. And people said, what should we do? Should we go down and rebuke her? I said, I, I think the Lord is going to do a special work. So we just, like Paul, he endured this lady for a few days and we just let this lady come down and read her cards and it doesn't matter. The Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God is stronger, is greater. A lot of what the enemy tries to do is just be a distraction. It just tries to create a distraction. Get everybody looking over here so you'll take your eyes off of Jesus. Uh, let me tell you what folks, you just keep on worshiping God. God will take care of every other spirit. 
You'll start declaring the name of Jesus. It'll rile up some spirits. It'll rile up spirits on your job. It'll rile up spirits in your home and things that you didn't even know were there. You just start declaring the name of Jesus. It'll bring it to the surface. But greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. You may have to take a few licks. You may have a few scars. But you keep on being a guardian of the name. You keep on being a declarer of the name of Jesus. And God will bring you through. Finally, on that third night of that crusade, I remember watching that lady with her tarot cards. and People were all around her and people were getting the Holy Ghost. And she was trying her best. And she was all by herself trying to read a hex and, and had her tarot cards. And I remember watching her when she just took all the cards and just flung them all up in the air like that. And they all fell on that grass and she lifted up her hands and began to worship God. We went over there and laid our hands upon her head. And she began to speak in tongues as the Spirit of God came all over her. <laughs> oh, there's something about the power of the name of Jesus. When her masters, this lady, when they saw that the hope of their gains were gone because she had been set free. The Bible said that when Paul spoke, that he came, that spirit came out the same hour. And of course, she wasn't now a soothsayer. and Her masters didn't like that. They, they used her for uh, proprietary purposes and now... She was not a source of income for them. The Bible said they caught Paul and Silas. When you declare the name of Jesus, you're going to rile up some things. They caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, the judges, saying these men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. You know how they troubled the city? By declaring the name of Jesus. By setting the captive free. They have troubled our city. Another place the disciples, these guardians of the name, were said to be men that had turned the world upside down. Why? Because they declared the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, my friend, when you declare the name of Jesus, you trouble the waters. When you declare the name of Jesus, you trouble the atmosphere. Because as long as we're silent, the spirit of divination can have its way. But you start declaring the name of Jesus in your home. You start declaring the name of Jesus in your school. You start declaring the name of Jesus on your job. You start declaring the name of Jesus in Walmart. Oh, come on, somebody. We're guardians of his name when we declare his name. It's going to bring some trouble, but I'm going to tell you what that trouble is going to do. That trouble, hallelujah, is going to bring deliverance. That trouble is going to set the captive free. Every time you declare the name of Jesus in faith, you guard the name from being dismissed. You guard the name from being ignored. You guard the name of Jesus from being forgotten. And you remind the enemy that at the name of Jesus, it is forever settled in heaven. And enemy, you are defeated. Sickness, you are are defeated. Depression, you are defeated because I declare the name of Jesus Christ in every situation. Peter declared it in Acts chapter 2. It was declared by Philip in Acts chapter 8. He baptized, went down in Samaria, had a revival declaring the name of Jesus. Peter declared in Acts chapter 2 when he said, men and brethren, 
What do we got to do to be saved? Repent of your sins. They asked him that question and he responded by saying, and you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You got to be baptized in the name of the one that you slew and hung on a tree. But now when you're baptized in his name, you acknowledge the name of Jesus Christ. That's the same thing Peter took to the household of Cornelius, that Roman centurion living in Caesarea by the sea in Acts chapter 10. And the whole family, the whole house, I think the servants also, because it said all the household, they were all baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Paul and Silas preached it in Acts 16, which we're talking about today. And in chapter 19, Paul, coming across these disciples of John the Baptist, said, what have you been baptized unto? They knew they were believers. There was an agreement in their spirit. But they said, we've just been baptized unto John's baptism. And John baptized unto repentance. And he said, oh, but John told a one who would come after him, whose shoes he was unworthy to lose. And his name is Jesus. Jesus. And all of them were rebaptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And when they come up out of the water, somebody said, Well, Pastor, what if I've not been baptized in the name of Jesus, but I have been baptized? Get rebaptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You say, how does heaven respond? Well, I'll tell you how heaven responded in Acts 19. The Bible says that they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues. That was heaven putting its seal of, of approval upon them being baptized in the name of Jesus. You say, oh, but my dad, my grandparents, they were baptized in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Or, or they were baptized in some other way or sprinkled as a baby. All of it may have been out of obedience, but there's power in the name name of Jesus. Get rebaptized. Get baptized today in the power of the name of Jesus. We follow the biblical example of how to be baptized. We don't follow the council of Nicaea in 325 AD that bringing together paganism and Christianity came up with the doctrine of the Trinity that there are three persons that are co-eternal and co-existent. Oh no my friend, I know him as one. Hear O Israel the Lord our God is one. And at the name of Jesus, it's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So that when I go down in the water, in the name of Jesus, it's not just semantics. It's not just another form of baptism. The Bible said in Ephesians 4 5, there is one Lord and one faith and one baptism. What is that one baptism? It was the baptism of the apostles, the guardians of the name that said, we're going to preach in the name of Jesus. We're going to declare the name of Jesus. We're going to baptize in the name of Jesus. I've heard people say, well, it's just another common name that was used at that time. Just like we would use the names of, uh, you know, uh, Bill or Jim in our modern day culture. They say, well, Jesus was just the name, a common used name. No doubt there is some support when you research that hypothesis, the first century Jewish historian Josephus mentions at least 12 different people that he knew that were named Jesus, including four high priests. In Acts 9, we read of the Jewish false prophet Bar-Jesus. In Colossians 4, Paul mentions one of his fellow workers, Jesus called Justice. And some ancient manuscripts of the Gospel of Matthew refer to that individual by the name of Barabbas that was released 
at the time that Jesus was to be crucified and the choice was given that he could be taken and crucified and Jesus released or Jesus could be crucified and he be released. And the people said, give us Barabbas. There were manuscripts that said that his name was Jesus Barabbas. But just when you think there's a natural explanation to a supernatural name, you dig a little deeper and God reveals something greater. Because when you get to really understanding the name of Jesus Barabbas, it is translated Jesus, son of the father. That even Barabbas was the first fruits of one that could be released at the crucifixion of Jesus. How many of us have been released from the chains of sin because of the crucifixion of Jesus? Oh, there may have been a bunch of people named Jesus, but there was nobody that could bring life through his death except Jesus. So that even Barabbas had to be described as the son of the father. He was released at the crucifixion of Jesus. Could it be that the mistakes of our life do not identify us? We choose to identify with our heavenly father. That's why, ladies and gentlemen, it matters not what sins are under your personal name. When you're baptized in the name of Jesus, you're taking on the identity of the father. You're a new man or a new woman in Christ Jesus. You come up out of that water and everything is new hallelujah you're a new creature in christ jesus and Romans says for as many as are led by the spirit of god they have become the sons of god which means that when i come up out of the water in the name of jesus christ in the spirit world i'm identified as a child of the king i've got the name of jesus i've been released by the power of his name They took Paul and Silas and put them in prison. But before they were able to learn about the Roman citizenship of Paul, they committed some mistakes. They just assumed that these Jews had no Roman citizenship because they declared the salvation authority of the name of Jesus. Certainly Paul was educated in Jewish schools and was Jewish, but because of his birthplace, he was born in Tarsus. He was also a Roman citizen. You couldn't beat a Roman citizen, put him in prison without a proper trial. So when they put Paul and Silas in jail, and they declared to the guardians of the prisoners, the person who was in charge of guarding the prisoners, that these men were to be put in the innermost prison, and if they escaped, the prison guard would pay with his own life. That assignment created a lot of motivation to keep a careful eye on the prisoners. Paul and Silas begin... To have an old-fashioned song service as they begin to sing. The Bible said they put them in the innermost prison. They charged the guardian of the prison to say, if you let these men escape, we'll take your life. And they put, he put their, their hands in bonds and their feet in fetters and strapped them in. But he made a mistake. He didn't put a gag in their mouth. Because their power was not in their hands and not in their feet. Their power was in the declaration of the name of Jesus. Come on, it's not in who we are. We don't have strength on our own. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord. Woo, hallelujah. 
They didn't take gags and put it in their mouth. They didn't realize where their authority, where their power came from. Uh, so they started to sing. Uh, they started to let their voices be heard. Uh, oh, bless that wonderful name of Jesus. Oh, bless that wonderful name. I'm going to tell you about guardians of the, of the name. Uh, they'll declare the name of Jesus uh, even when they're in a negative situation. Even when they're in a circumstance that has restricted their freedoms. Uh, they're still a guardian of the name. Uh, I said they're still a guardian of the name. Uh, oh, Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. Uh, I can sing in the midnight hour. I can sing when everything is going wrong. I can sing when I've had a negative doctor's report. I can sing whenever my child is not serving God. Not because of my own glee. Not because of my own personal happiness. But because I'm a guardian of the name. I'm a declarer of the name. I speak the name of Jesus in every situation. I declare it is the name of Jesus that will set me free. It is the name of Jesus that will heal my body. It is the name. That is above every name. Consider this contrast. The guardian of the prisoners was confronted with the guardians of the name. I said the guardian of the prisoners was confronted with the guardians of the name. Who would win? Well, about the midnight hour, Jesus rings the bell and the match is over. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. That's what we sometimes forget. They weren't just singing. They were praying also. I declare the name of Jesus in this prison. I declare the name of Jesus is greater than the pain of these stripes on my back. I declare the name of Jesus is greater than the restriction of my legs and my hands. I declare the name of Jesus into the city of Philippi. I declare there will be revival here. And I declare that they prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. They weren't over in a little corner just saying some sort of a little silent prayer. They were declaring the name of Jesus with all of their strength. Oh, apostolic Pentecost. I hope we don't ever become so politically correct that we don't lift up our voice and declare the name of Jesus. You ought to declare the name of Jesus in the house of God. But if you don't have the boldness to declare the name of Jesus in this place, you won't declare his name out there. You ought to get used to it. You ought to practice when you come inside this building to declare the name of Jesus. Because if you can do it here, you can do it in your home. You can do it in the marketplace. You can do it in your workplace. If you can declare the name of Jesus, you can change the atmosphere. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. I'm going to tell you what the declaring of the name of Jesus does. It breaks up the foundations of the situation. So many times in our humanity, we respond to what we see as the symptoms. But you've got to get down to the root cause to cause some things to come uprooted. And the declaration of the name of Jesus, it will break up the foundations of an addiction. It will break up the foundations of the spirit of infirmity. It will break up the foundations, come on, of a person's desires. When you declare the name of Jesus, the foundations are shaken. And immediately all the doors were, the foundations of addictions are broken. There is a release from addictions of the flesh. And everyone's bands were loosed. Prisoners are running all around. But somehow Paul and Silas keep them all there. Because the Bible said the keeper of the prison, the guardian of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, 
seeing the prison doors open, he drew on his sword and would have killed himself, uh, supposing uh, that all the prisoners had fled. This is it. It's all over. Something's happened while I was asleep. Uh, I was supposed to guard them. I thought they were in a place of safety. I thought there was no way they could escape. Uh, their hands and feet were bound. They were in the inner prison. Uh, but oh, as they declared the name of Jesus, uh, something began to happen. Uh, and the prisoner, uh, the guardian of the prison, the guardian of the prisoners, uh, that that tried to keep man's uh, freedom restricted, uh, he now wants to take his own life. Uh, but Paul cries with a loud voice because uh, Paul recognizes uh, that this deliverance is not for their own personal comfort. Uh, because when you declare the name of Jesus uh, and the foundations are broken up, uh, it may not just be for you. Uh, it may be for the salvation of one uh, who has come against you. Oh, I feel something in the Holy Ghost stirring in my spirit. I said it may be for the salvation of the one who has caused pain in your life. It may be for the salvation of the one who has fought against you serving God. Of being a declarer of the name of Jesus. But you go ahead and declare it anyhow. You said, you said I got to declare that Jesus is Lord. Paul said, do yourself no harm. We're all here. And the man called for a light, sprang in, came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He wasn't a prisoner, but yet he was a prisoner. He wasn't a physical prisoner, but he was a spiritual prisoner. He had to be set free. These men, Paul and Silas, they weren't supermen. They were just guardians of the name. They were just guardians of the name. They were declares of the name. They were preachers of the name of Jesus. And here's what they said. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And as they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house, he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. Commentaries that say that probably, most likely, this was the same man who had applied the stripes. He tried to weaken them as much as he could with his own whip because he was responsible for them not fleeing that night. And so now he's washing the very stripes that are the result of his own whip because Jesus is a name that can turn a situation around 180 degrees. And the very one who has fought against you is now the one who is taking care of you, is now the one who is saying, what must I do to be saved? I'll tell you what, don't ever doubt that Jesus can turn any situation around. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all of his house. But before that happened, you know what happened? As he washed their stripes, it says, and he was baptized. He and all his, the whole household, they were baptized straightway. That night, we ain't worried about the prison. We're not worried about repairing the doors. We're not worried about notifying the magistrates. Here's what we know. We got to be baptized. Oh, my friend, if you've not been baptized in the name of Jesus, don't wait for a more convenient season. Say, I got to get baptized right now. We got robes, towels, and a heated baptismal tank. I mean, it is so comfortable. You don't even want to have to sacrifice. All you got to do is obey. I must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. When they all got baptized, they begin to rejoice. You know why? Because there's joy in obeying the word of God. 
You say, why is that so important to your preacher that I get baptized in the name of Jesus? Because it is the word of God. It is the plan of salvation. And we don't apologize that we are guardians of the name. We believe that you ought to be baptized in the name of Jesus. We believe you ought to pray in the name of Jesus. You say, why are you so adamant about it? Consider this for a moment. The tomb of the unknown soldier is a monument dedicated to deceased U.S. service members whose remains have not been identified. It is located in Arlington National Cemetery in Virginia, United States. And the tomb is guarded by the United States Army uh, Army Honor Guard 24 hours a day, 365 days a year through snow, rain, and hurricanes. It's considered one of the highest honors to serve uh, as a sentinel at the tomb of the unknowns. Fewer than 20% of all volunteers are accepted for training, and of those, only a fraction pass training to become a full fledged tomb guard. The tomb of the unknown soldier guard identification badge is the third least awarded qualification badge of the United States Army. As of July 4th, 2020, there's only been 683 throughout all of the history of the United States Honor Guard of guarding the tomb of the unknown soldiers. And that includes 23 who have had their badge revoked. The soldier walking the mat does not wear rank insignia so as to not outrank the unknowns whatever their ranks may have been we don't know but they do not wear a rank insignia because the guardian can never outrank that which he guards oh my friend it's not about you and I it's about the name of Jesus It's not about anybody knowing our name. All you got to do, all you got to remember when you leave this place is the name of Jesus Christ. He's greater. He's higher. He is more blessed than anything this world has ever known. Oh, but there's this meticulous routine that the guard follows when watching over the graves. The tomb guard marches 21 steps south down the 63-foot-long black mat laid across the tomb. He turns and faces east toward the tomb for 21 seconds. He turns and faces north, changing weapon to the outside shoulder and waits 21 seconds, then marches 21 steps down the mat and turns and faces east for 21 seconds and then turns and faces south and changes weapons to the outside shoulder and waits 21 seconds and repeats that routine until the soldier is relieved of duty at the changing of the guard. The number 21 was chosen because it's the highest honor. Just like a 21 gun salute is an example of the highest honor whenever there is a, a burial of one who has gone down in the honor of serving his or her country. Such precision, such care, such dedication and they are guardians of the nameless they are guardians of the unknown how much more should you and I be a guardian of the name of the one who gave us his name Jehovah Jireh our provider the name of healing the name of salvation the name of the mighty God in Christ that has been given to humanity we don't apologize that we are guardians of the name of Jesus it was a name delivered by an angelic visitation 
What about Jesus? And you shall call his name Jesus, the angel told Joseph, for he will save his people from their sins. Matthew one twenty one. More than a great teacher, more than an enlightened man, more than a worker of miracles, more than a source of meaning in life, more than a self-help guru, more than a self-esteem builder, more than a political liberator, more than a caring friend, more than a transformer of cultures, more than a purpose for the purposeless. Jesus is the Savior of sinners. Jesus is the Savior of sinners. In Greek, it is Lysos. In Arabic, it's the language that Jesus spoke. It is Yasu. Both are derived from the Hebrew, in which the name is Yahshua, or Joshua, or Joseph. Understanding that Joshua is made up of two parts, Yah, Y-A, which is short for Yahweh, and Hoshia, which means salvation. Hence, Mary and Joseph gave their little baby, the name Jesus, which means Yahweh saves. Oh, don't let anybody separate you from the name of Jesus. Don't let anything, anybody pull you from the name of Jesus. We have found the one Yahweh saves. We have found the name and it's at that name that we are saved. Paul encountered a memorial, an altar to an unknown God at the Parthenon in Athens, Greece, as he prepares to speak to the philosophers of Mars Hill. Consider the parallel between the tomb of the unknown soldier and the memorial and the altar to an unknown God that Paul encountered in the next chapter, Acts 17. You see this journey, Acts 15, 16, and 17. Because now, as the others wait, he is on assignment in Athens. He knew what his assignment was. He knew his assignment was to reach these people who were the philosophers, the educators, the Epicureans, the Bible describes them, the Stoics, who were the learned of the day, the seat of all education. He knew his assignment was to declare the name of Jesus to these people. And so he watched them. He describes it before he gives his message on Mars Hill. He watches the people give allegiance to this unknown God. In Acts 17, he says now, as he begins to speak on Mars Hill, which is right there in the shadow of the Parthenon, he, he begins to declare, he said, I observed your altar to an unknown God. Him declare I unto you. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. Uh, he was telling those learned educators. Uh, he was telling those Epicureans and Stoics that were gathered at Mars Hill to hear some new thing. Uh, he was declaring, uh, I've come to tell you who that altar of the unknown God is. Uh, I've come to tell you who that unknown God is. Uh, in Him we live and move and have our being. He's not far from any one of you. He's as close as the mention of His name. Uh, he says, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also His offspring. He was 
say about even those that you have followed, uh, even the poets and the educators that you have studied their materials. Uh, they were seeking for the same thing uh, that you're seeking for. For as much then uh, as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, uh, graven by art and man's device. And uh, the times of this ignorance, uh, God winked at. But now! commandeth all men everywhere to repent. They wanted it to just be a mental exercise. But my friend, it's got to move beyond being a mental exercise to having the heart print of God Almighty in your innermost being and saying, I know that He's God, but I choose today to declare that I must worship. I must bow down before the name of Jesus. Nothing that can save you from that. What's His name? His name is Jesus. What's his name? His name is Jesus. Who is this Jesus? He's the Alpha and the Omega. Who is he? He's the mighty God in Christ. He's the wonderful counselor and the Prince of Peace. Come on, it's been unknown long enough. It's time to get the revelation that we are guardians of a known God. We are guardians of the name of a God who has made himself known in our life. This thing was not done in a corner. Paul declared it to King Agrippa. You know what I'm talking about, O King. This thing was not done in a corner. You live in the United States of America. You can hear Christianity preached on every radio, television station, on the internet, YouTube. Facebook. He can go to churches on every corner. This thing was not done in some sort of a hidden fashion. Oh, my friend, it's all in the name of Jesus. All it takes is for you and I to say, I'm not going to just be a guardian of his name. I'm going to embrace his name. I'm going to bow down before his name. I'm going to repent in his name. I'm going to be baptized in his name. Guardians of his name, would you stand to your feet? This is what I feel in the Holy Ghost. I don't want it to just be a thing that we talk about. I want to give God an opportunity to exercise the power of his name. So here's what I feel. I feel like we ought to have a prayer line right now. And I don't know whatever situation you're facing, whether it's sickness in your body, whether it's a need in your home, if it's an addiction. You've never been baptized in Jesus' name. You've never been filled with the Holy Whatever the situation, spiritual, emotional, physical, the name of Jesus covers it all. I said the name of Jesus covers it all. This is a building, a house that was built for the declaration of the name of Jesus. It's not here for any other purpose. And for God's people, guardians of his name, to come together. Because the Bible said where two or three are gathered together, under the banner of his name, they can begin to declare Jesus. And everything has to bow down. Whatever the circumstances, just come right on down here. Just stand right here in the front. We're going to believe right now. We're going to have a prayer line. And I believe that God is going to show his mighty hand of power. You need a healing in your body, this is your moment. If you need God to work out a situation, you said, I believe. I believe, preacher, it's all in the name of Jesus. Just come down and stand right down here along the front, press down as close as you can. Those of you that will exercise your faith, 
I wonder if you'd put your hands forward right now. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, would you begin to pray the prayer of faith right now? Jesus! Yeah.